Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show And this episode number 332 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You can sign up right now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your no sweat first bet for $1,000. Here we are on Memorial Day weekend. What a beautiful one it is here. Of course, probably where Grace is. I think every day is a beautiful day. Uh, Joined as always by Grace Roberts and Mark Allred. How's everybody doing today? Doing awesome. Feeling great. Ready to talk some Bruins, even though it's a little bit of a sad time, and ready to watch the Celtics tonight. So it's still a good day for Boston sports, I've decided. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, vacation is officially over as of today, so back to work tomorrow. It was uh, it was a good one. It was a rough one, let me tell you. Um, a lot of alcohol and barbecue <laughs> it's, it's, has been uh, consumed, and yesterday, I, we were supposed to record yesterday, I just was not feeling well at all. Everything caught up to me, so we, we're doing it a day late, I'm sorry, and uh, to the listeners that were, um, hopefully you're not working today, but um, hopefully you'll listen to us tomorrow morning on the way to work, or during work, or whatever, but uh, we are back, and talking bees, as little as news as, as out there, um, but Still great to get along every week with these two um, Bruins fans and Steve and Grace. But, yeah, good weekend so far. Good. Happy Memorial Day uh, to all out there that serve and uh, and protect our country and, and who have passed on from doing so. Um, it, that means a lot to me and my family, and I'm sure it does to everybody else on this panel as well. So uh, thoughts go out to uh, the people that currently serve and the ones that have served. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. And uh, I hope everybody keeps that in mind as they're out there barbecuing, drinking, listening to country music, whatever it is you're listening to. Uh, just keep that in the back of your mind. My, my son is currently uh, on the back of a town dump truck uh, going through uh, the local parade. So that's exciting. He's all pumped up about that. So nice. Um, yeah, it's a it's a nice time of the year. Official kickoff to summer, which is fantastic. Um, and you know, as summertime gets closer, usually that brings on, um, we get closer and closer to the Stanley cup finals. And, you know, before we get into the Bruins stuff, here are the Florida Panthers. Um, somebody mentioned to me that this is three out of four years where the president's trophy winner has won the Stanley cup the year after they won the president's cup. So if you're looking for a little silver lining there, Bruins fans, there, there you have it. Um, I guess just real quick around around the, the panel here. Do you think three teams left? Does anybody think that the Panthers can take down Vegas or Dallas, or is this they running out of luck here? What what do you guys think about the finals coming up? 
I think um, I think Florida is going to take it all. I, I number one, I am I was pulling for Dallas because Dallas hasn't won in a while. I like the teams that don't win all the time, especially when the Bruins are out of it. Then it's just like it's just, it's a crapshoot for me. But I like the way the Florida Panthers have played since the, since the first round. They're really bought into playing accustomed to any style that they're seeing um, as they rise through these playoffs, and and now they're in the Stanley Cup Finals and. And it's good on, you know, good on them, uh, the coaching staff and, and ownership and so on. Um, but uh, if it comes down to it, I, I do want to see the um, the Florida Panthers just absolutely stomp all over the Vegas Golden Knights. Because, uh, again, again, this week, I'm going to say I am not ready for the narrative or the continued narrative of, oh, we should have kept Bruce Cassidy. Oh, we let the wrong one go. It's it's so stupid. And it's just gaining traction and so on. And it's just going to gain more traction if that guy wins the cup. So I just don't want to see that happening. So go Florida Panthers. Yeah, I honestly, up until like the other day, I would have said, I think the Knights have a really good chance, but suddenly they've, I don't think they're going to have trouble getting past Dallas. I think they're going to. And I love the idea that a team that has never won is going, could win, you know, that's, that's cool. But I, um, I, I don't know. They just haven't looked good their last few games against Dallas, not the way they were looking before that. Um, so I don't I don't see them getting past the Panthers. I don't see anybody doing it. I mean, obviously, this has been a really unpredictable sequence of events. And, you know, I don't love any of these teams. And there's a reason for each of them why I don't want them to win. But, you know, maybe, it, it, maybe it'll take the sting out a little bit extra for me if, A, the Florida Panthers win and – then it's like, all right, fine. The people who won the Stanley Cup, they beat us. And also because, like, then maybe maybe then that's a thing that whoever won the President's Trophy the year before is going to win the Stanley Cup. So then next year it'll be our turn. That's, a, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, I like that, it. <laughs> that's, I, I love those numbers when I saw them. I, my only concern for Florida is, is this too much time off? And they have one of the streakiest goaltenders in the league and he's hot and if i'm bobrovsky i want to get back in there i don't want to take four or five days off so um you know i, I think this is a lot of this is going to come down to goaltending i even though he's a former springfield falcon i don't really believe in aiden hill you know i still think dallas probably has the best consistent goaltender in the whole thing although i just i don't want jamie ben to win because i just think that guy's he's like Corey perry the later he gets in this career the more of a d-bag he becomes um <laughs> Um, you know, and I like I, I, I like Vegas because, uh, you know, I, again, local ties. Jonathan Marcheseau, one of my favorite uh, Springfield players of all time. Just a great freaking dude. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with Grace. I need the sting taken out a little bit, um, which I think is why I'm pulling for Florida. I think it's a great story. Um, Vegas will fill their building no matter what. Dallas probably will, too. Let's turn Florida into a, a bit of a hockey market. I think that's good for business. Um, I think that's good all around. Um, I did post something which I found sort of interesting. I never put up polls because, quite frankly, nobody ever votes on them. It's like nothing worse than putting up a poll and not getting any votes. Um, but I did put up one yesterday just randomly. Um, I said, NHL Bruins fans, who would you rather see win the cup? Cassidy, the team that eliminated you, or Tyler Sagan? And in 407 votes, Cassidy with 37%, Florida with 34%, Sagan with 29%. So as somebody who doesn't do a lot of polling, that's damn close. So not a blowout here at all from Bruins Nation. Um, a lot of them are rooting for Cassidy. I, again, I think Cassidy's one of those really likable coaches. And, you know, I, I feel like it's okay to say it was his time for that divorce, but at the same time still like the guy. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, I think there's a lot of that there with Cassidy. I think Florida, when they beat you, they're an easy team to hate. So I think that's a lot of reason why why Bruins fans might not have gone to Florida. But um, either way, game six tonight between the Knights and the uh, Stars, 8 o'clock. A uh, little warm-up to what, before we watch Grace's Celtics uh, hopefully win by about 45 points tonight. Um, oh, yeah. We got that to look forward to. Uh, some other things here in the news. Uh, boss, uh, Bruins uh, GM Don Sweeney named the finalist for the 2022-23 Jim Gregory General Manager of the Year Award. Uh, obviously, based on the way that the season ended, uh, Grace, do you think that he deserves that award? I don't know. I go, you know, there were a lot of criticisms that were really valid at the beginning of the season. I think that he sort of got through that. And I think that the trades made at the deadline were 
crazy productive, exactly what we needed. And we gave up relatively little, at least in the immediate future, what we thought was going to be a Stanley Cup run. We felt confident that these were the players who were going to help us. And to be fair, it was the people on who had been on the team before that I really blame in large part for most of the loss. Um, I obviously think that adding Bertuzzi, seeing a value in him that clearly wasn't being appreciated elsewhere, being able to swing that, being able to swing Orloff and Hathaway. Um, I mean, they were great moves. Clearly they, they didn't, I don't, I don't even want to say that they weren't enough because I don't think it was that they weren't enough. I think they were exactly what we needed and they were super helpful but I think that other issues arose that had nothing to do with uh, Sweeney at all and were more Montgomery. But so I don't know. I think he does. Like, I, I get it. I don't know if he necessarily I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of torn. I think he deserves it. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't win um, just because the way the season sort of ended makes it seem like maybe things weren't so great after all. Yeah, what do you what do you, yeah. you Mark? What do you think? I think he deserves it. It's a it's a regular season uh, award. And, um, you know, what he did during the offseason to bring in a guy like Pavel Zaka, um, which, you know, wasn't a grand freaking move from many Bruins fans. It was more of a lateral, um, you know, trading Eric Hall, a one for one and so on. But and I'm not saying that that was that that was the move that made him GM, but it was just how the team and, and how he organized everything moving forward from having McAvoy out and, and Grizzlick out and, and just to, to really start this year off on the, on the highest note that this NHL franchise has ever seen um, speaks volumes, but it, it, it turned up to 11, 12 and 13 on the volume meter when the trade deadline came, because we all know as Boston Bruins fans and longtime, you know, Sweeney apologists, if you, if you will, um, he's never made a move like this before. So this was this was uh, management and ownership really seeing what they could have and what they have had in the seat regular season and what could happen in the in the postseason. Obviously, a first round exit isn't ideal, but still, everything that he's done during this year to go all in, I think that he's the type of GM that uh, deserves an award like this. And that's not that's not my Boston bias either. There are other GMs that were nominated that are probably worth worth more but i i i don't see them making the moves uh to, uh, to make this team successful or, or be successful in the postseason like the other two did um so you know um in the in the uh in the end of the season press conference with management and ownership they collectively said that we're going behind doors and we're pointing fingers at each other and so on um so i really do not see uh, Don Sweeney being the, the fall guy or any of Bruins management or ownership. They did what they had to do. Ultimately, I'm going to echo on, on what Grace said. It was the fail. It was the failure of the players. It was just, it, you had everything on a plate, but it was them and maybe even the coaching just didn't jive together to make things happen. Yeah. I mean, we look at the GM in Florida, who was obviously getting a lot of, of talk and, you know, really outside of the, You'd say, well, he only really made one trade, and it was for Matthew to Kachuk. And it's like, well, that really freaking worked, right? So it's like, so, you know, I, I do give Sweeney credit because I don't think – I can't remember the last time they were just giving up first-round picks at the deadline for talent. And it was always getting bits and pieces, and that's what we thought this year. We said, well, we'll just get, you know, we'll just, just get a little, you know, ancillary minor pieces, and then you come back with a, with a, a top-four defenseman and a, and a top-six forward. Um, that you invested in. Um, but like you guys said, it's not Don Sweeney did not lose in the first round of the Florida Panthers. The players did and the coaching did. And that's not, that to me is not on him. And I think that the further we get from 2015, which we all know was a disaster, although here's Jake DeBrusque, um, uh, the further we get from that, the further we're realizing that everybody has oopsies every now and then. And that was a massive oopsie by Don Sweeney, but I don't, I don't, I think we're to the point now, almost 10 years away from that, where it's time to recognize that he's a pretty damn good GM from what we're seeing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And even, even in 2015, it, it was not a complete loss of the draft. The second, second through seventh round was still successful. I mean, you, you, you lost out on Jesse Gabriel, who had a really bad attitude and just was not made to be a pro hockey player. And Jacob Forsbacher Carlson, 
Brandon Carlo came out of that draft. Jeremy sure Lozon came out of that draft. Dan Vladara came out of that draft. So, I mean, it wasn't a complete failure. It was just that that particular first round uh, and, and two of those picks. I think um, I do like Jacobs Borrell. I just don't think he panned out to where he he was supposed to be projected as a as a first round selection. But Jake Dabrowski, I think, after the the little speed bump between him and uh, the coach or or whatever his situation, I think that once that got uh, ironed out, I think we're seeing what we all thought of Jake Dabrowski when he first got drafted right out of the WHL. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and so I think um, you know I, I think it's well deserved whether or not he wins it is another question, but having his name as a top, whatever three finalists, I think is, is uh, pretty well worth it. And, you know, sort of moving on here, as we talked about now, they don't really have a lot of draft picks. I don't think they have a, a pick in the first two rounds. Um, we look at uh, Bruins uh, prospect, Matthias um, Mantikivi. Is that how you say that, Mark? Boom. Get it? Boom. Drop now, that mic, my man. the guy gets it again. <laughs> Um, that's awesome. Nobody, everybody I talked to cannot figure out some of these European freaking, uh, and I'm not one for words. Trust me. I'm not one to like, you know, get out the words very well, but well done, sir. Well, well done. I try to get the Latvians right because they get really pissed <laughs> if you get them wrong. So, um, he's actually, he's actually Finnish. I thought it was in Latvian. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not even saying it again the rest of the podcast either. Um, so uh, he's dropping Greg Zanin. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was I avoided the Greg Zanin talk. We were talking trade deadline just for you, Mark. You brought him up, not me. Um, he's got a deadline of June 1st to be signed. Um, I, I think personally, I think you have to sign a guy like this strictly because you don't have any draft picks. And I think that you need as many of these young prospects as you can get because the prospect pool isn't necessarily dry, but the drafting well is pretty dry. So um, what are your guys' thoughts on a player like this that you you have the rights to? And I believe he's going to UMass next season. Is that correct? Um, no. am, am, I thinking of, am I thinking of a Latvian guy? Is that my problem? Yeah, Dan, Dan's Lacamelis. That's the guy I'm thinking of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Dear God, I'm not even trying that one again. Um, so what do we do here with Matthias Mantikivi? Grace, you want this one? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Steve's right. I think there's no um, – we have so few options and it's so limited in what we can do and make happen in terms of younger players that we sort of have to, I think. Um, and I also – I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of of the opinion, an optimist at heart, that you really don't know how a player is going to turn out or exactly how, you know, a, a player is going to end up performing when they're actually in the league. So, I mean, it's not – you know, you're right. It's not a first round draft pick. It's not Connor Bedard. It's not Fantilli, but it's at least something that is, has potential. And that I think that if you bring into the system early, if you can get somebody who will really buy into it and will work hard to, I think it adds a little chip on your shoulder. If you think that you have to fight for your spot and you have to earn it. Um, so I think that it, it, you know, just with any prospect, there's an opportunity for a lot of growth. And I think that with no other options, I don't think there's any room to be really critical of picking anybody up like that. So he's been playing for the Ives League over in the Liga, uh, Finnish League, and uh, has done well the past couple seasons. Uh, every year he seems to progress a little higher and higher, gaining more uh, respect over overseas. And um, he wants to be a Boston Bruin. He wants to be in the organization somewhere. He's not just throwing out there, I'm going to go to the NHL or bust. Uh, he wants to be a part of the Providence um, Bruins, and he wants to be a part of the developmental process in his first year of pro hockey. But that comes down to the logistics with the Boston Bruins and where they see him uh, in a future lineup and so on. Um, but I really think that if they let him walk now, let me just let me just iron this out. I'm not saying this guy is a 50 goal scorer over in over in the Finnish league. And he's going to be uh, top six minutes in the NHL anytime soon. But these are the types of players in the bottom six that the Boston Bruins have developed very well. And when they develop them very well, they also come at a very cheap value. So, and I'm not saying he's a cheap player either, but what I'm saying is, is you, and like, like Steve mentioned, we don't have a first and second round pick this year. We don't have the first, second or third round pick next year. 
Uh, so it's going to be some uh, some very lean years when you're trying to add depth to the organization, regardless of where they're currently playing in the uh, in the world. But um, Matias Mantikivi is the type of player that can be that bottom six guy. He's got some offensive capabilities. He's a good puck tracker, good along the boards, gets in the dirty areas. But it's still going to take him a little bit of time to adjust to the North American game, much like Fabian Lysel did. Everybody had this kid in the lineup uh, day one last year. Uh, and, and they were frustrated when they see his numbers and he's not getting in. Well, I'm sorry, but um, Fabian Lysel needs to work on his two-way game. His defensive game needs work. When he has the puck, he is uh, very good. But Manti Kivi is the type of player that can come in and just offer you uh, the break glass in case of emergency, a two-way deal. Um, he's probably not going to get any pro games anytime soon, but still, you have him in the depth. He kind of reminds me of a smaller Unicopanin, a really good penalty killer, um, You know, with, like I said, with some offensive capabilities, and he's a good four-checker and so on. I say give him a chance. It's 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 really a low risk, high reward type of scenario, and I really don't understand why. With so many contracts that the Boston Bruins have right now, um, as I look on to Puckpedia.com, uh, the contracts right now are uh, twenty eight of fifty. So I think as free agency comes closer and the draft comes closer. I think that that number is going to get a little higher to the 50, but I think there's still a little bit of availability for a player like him to get involved. I just don't understand why the Bruins are waiting so long to get this type of deal done. Yeah. 12 points in 12 playoff games. Uh, that's sort of the number I look at more. I mean, he had 33 points in 60 games in the regular season, but 12 and 12 in the playoffs to me is a nice sign. It's a good number. Uh, that means that he's playing a lot and he's producing. So um yeah, I, I just I get concerned that we've we've seen so many of these guys come over, you know, we can go to you know Petteri Nokalainen and and you know up and down the list of these these guys that are kind of tweeners and you know even I look at Jacob Lauko, it's like either use them or lose them, but like you know Unica Panum, use them or lose them. Like they come over and they they sit in Providence and then before you know it, they're they're playing in you know again they're playing in Latvia or they're playing for the Manitoba Mooseheads. So. Um, <laughs> You know, it's but I, I like like you said, I think you got to load up on these guys, college free agents. That's going to be the way that they sort of run their operations uh, for the next couple of years, just because the draft picks are so slim. Unless position, unless you start making some trades. Now, um, we have heard this rumor, f- sort of narrative floating around that Marshand could be traded, uh, could be an asset at least. Uh, two full seasons under contract at six point one AAV. So at this point, the num the the uh, contract actually looks pretty nice if you're a uh, you know if you're looking to acquire a player like that. Um, personally, I think that that guy is too much of a staple here, uh, and I think that there are too many other guys that could be moved. Your Taylor Halls, um, you know, your Linus Olmarks. I think that there's a small core here that you don't move, and I think that he's sort of one of those. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Mark, and and some of the things that you've heard uh, regarding? Um, I mean, it's, it's it's just a narrative that's basically going out on Twitter and so on and the social media. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I'm buying it completely. Um, and, and also to touch on your thought of maybe Taylor Hall being available. And I understand that that uh, salary cap needs to be shed to be compliant before next season. And I already know that with four point five million in the hole due to uh, the contracts of Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci last year on their one-year deals to come back. Um, but um, I w- I don't think that the Bruins would be wise to move any of the forwards that are currently under contract for the uh, for the upcoming season. Just for the pure, pure fact is that they're, they're the most experienced on here, um, and we don't know how the salary cap's going to work and how they're going to manage it. So I think by having as many veterans as possible – I'm not saying bringing the band back together, but um, as many veterans as possible on the team is good because it looks like to save those salary cap funds, you might have to, um, you know, promote some younger players from Providence as well who are on uh, cap friendly AAVs. So you want you want to have that leadership there. We can't go all young as much as I'd love to. We can't go all young. You got to have a mixture of uh, of vets and, and, and so on. But 
I also, I just don't, I think Marshan's got more to give. I think this year he played well with double hip surgery. Yeah. And, hurt, and right. I think that, yeah. And I think the summer, I think it's going to, um, you know, just increase that, uh, the healing process and so on, because uh, I've said several times on this podcast, when somebody has a hip surgery or double hip surgery, never mind, it really takes a full year to, to, to be healthy. And that's off the ice. That's not doing anything. So with him on the ice, he's pretty much operating at 80%. Hopefully this whole off season gives you the opportunity to get to hundred percent and come back in and, and kind of be that, uh, that leader on the ice and off the ice, uh, regardless if, if one of our best leaders in, in the franchise history is, is back or, or gone. I think that he's pretty much the next guy that's in that line of, um, you know, we, this is how we preach our system. This is how we, this is how this is our culture, you know? So I don't see that happening, but who knows? Don Sweeney did say that this team's going to look awfully different next year. Yeah. And um, real quick, Grace, uh, it's almost like silver lining that uh, you didn't have a long playoff run because for a guy like Marshan recovering, these extra months of not playing are actually going to help his healing process. But what are your thoughts on moving uh, the possibility of moving Marshan, Grace? Yeah, I don't see it. I just don't see that ever happening. I don't think he's a guy that is that anybody would want to use as a piece when you have other options available. Um, just because, yeah, I agree completely. I think especially, yeah, it's true if, if Bergeron doesn't come back, because I agree with Mark. I think that needs, if you had asked me, you know, however many years ago it was now, six, five, when Chara left and then it came to, you know, who's the next man up, um, I think it was pretty, pretty clear. Like he wasn't ready to be a captain, at least at that level. He wasn't ready to be um you know, where Bergeron was, but I've seen, I think we've seen such a transformation of him as a player and as a person. And I think that now he really does exhibit, especially I think in the playoffs, he really exhibited those leadership qualities that are so valuable. And that I think probably a part of it is that he knows that Bergeron might be on his way out and that he's going to be the guy that people look to. And, and I do think that you're right. I think we didn't see his full abilities post-surgery. I mean, he came back even earlier than we thought. So already like you're thinking, you know, he's, putting a lot of strain on his body and obviously he's sort of had his up and down throughout the season but I think in the playoffs we started to really see that he is still great he still has those abilities he was one of the few players that I I really think did everything that they could um in the playoffs when it came down to it and I know everybody's on about like oh that you know breakaway that he missed or whatever and yeah okay but I think that he did everything he could to drag this team you know to the next round and just fell a little short but I don't see I don't see a world in which he moves. I mean, like, let's be realistic. But, you know, I don't know. Crazier things have happened, but I, I don't see it happening. Well, I mean, if somebody's going to throw a whole bunch of third, uh, a whole bunch of first round picks at you, you know, <laughs> you, you, you think about it. But I mean, I, I don't, you're talking about a, I think if you make that move, you're talking about a pretty sizable reset um, on your, on your, on your front end and on your leadership. And those are two things that are kind of tricky to, um, you know, tricky, tricky to flip the switch like that. So um, we do have some other uh, possible trade chatter uh, happening going on. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends at FanDuel.com. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I'll tell you, I love the uh, all the, of these these different uh, bonuses and quirks that they give you. Every time I open the app, I got a little notification. That's like, Hey, we're going to match your offer. And if you lose, that's okay. We're going to give you a kickback. And it's so nice to lose their money rather than lose my own. Cause I'm terrible at gambling. However, um, uh, tonight, big one between the Celtics and the heat. Uh, I'm going to take the Celtics mi- minus seven and a half. Cause I think they're going to absolutely blow doors. Um, and I'm also going to take the over at uh, minus two Oh four. Because again, if they're blowing doors, they might score 130 points tonight. But uh, Grace, what about you? I know you love oh, the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to. I am. I am. I'm feeling great. I feel phenomenal. This is the best I've felt in weeks. I think the Celtics are going to absolutely beat down the Heat. Knock on wood. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I'm feeling confident. I'd take that bet any day of the week. I, I refuse to bet on the Celtics though, because every time I did that, they absolutely lost. So I'm not going to do that again. Um, Cause then it would be my take fault. The heat. Um, take the heat. <laughs> See, that's what I sometimes do. Um, but no, I cannot, 
wait to watch. So anybody who's following me along on Twitter will see me freaking out the whole time. But those are, hey, I'd bet on the boys. I really would. I, I have faith in them. So what can I say? Mark, you got any golf you're looking at this week? Absolutely. Uh, starting on Thursday, uh, the 1st of June, uh, the PGA uh, is at the Memorial Tournament at Mirfield Village Golf Club. $20 million purse on that. And of course, I'm going to get involved. And also um, any of the NHL playoff hockey that's on this week, I'm going to I'm going to get on. I'm not doing very well with the bets, so kind of need a I need a, a turnaround here on the uh, on the FanDuel account. Agree. Uh, I as, I do as well. So uh, that's what I'm hoping for tonight. There's no better way either way to place your bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash Sportsbook. FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. If you have a gambling problem, plenty of help all over the country. You can call 1-800-GAMBLER or Visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 if you live in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in the great state of Connecticut. Great, great state. Sure. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Um 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, gamblinghelplinema.org, gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support here in the great state of Massachusetts. And uh, you can visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. And if you are in Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Uh, you can do that in the state of West Virginia as well. So big thank you to our friends at uh, FanDuel. And also we have uh, uh, some great sponsors at Act Action Electronics as well. For over 30 years, Action Electronics, a Walpole mass company, has been the leading source of value-added time-saving supply, supply chain solutions. You can visit them online at actionelectronics.com. You can give them a call as well at 508-668-3131 and follow the company's social media accounts. On Facebook, they're at Action Electronics. Twitter, AE Supply Chain, or Instagram, they're at actionelectronics.com. Uh, but we all know how it works. You just put into Google Action Electronics, and everything will pop right up there for you, uh, as including their YouTube channel, which is at, at Action Electronics. TV. So uh, big thanks to that wonderful local company, Action Electronics, uh, for the support. And uh, as always, FanDuel as well. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, Mark, you mentioned briefly there for a second, getting the band back together. Player who just finished up uh, getting a gold medal for Canada at the uh, World Championships. Uh, a man that some call Milan Lucic. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts, Grace? You want Milan Lucic back? Plan on that fourth line or what? Milan Lucic. Um, I I know that is just the talk that won't die. It really won't. Um, no, I don't. I don't know. I guess no. I I don't really have a good answer because on the one hand I'm like it's a cheap. I think he'll be a cheap option. Um, but also I don't I don't really see that as like much of an addition. I don't. Not that I don't think that Lucic is great and was great always playing for us, but is he really filling any role that we desperately need? I mean, I granted, you know, if we drop off, you know, certain players, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, there are some people on Twitter who are really, really into the idea. And then there are people on Twitter who are so out on the idea that I think they'll stop cheering for the Bruins if he comes back. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine either way, I guess, as long as there's something productive that comes out of it, either we're saving a ton of money for it or, we're, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I say no. That's my, I don't want him back. He can, they can, he can go somewhere else, but I do love him. He's a great player. You know, I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm out on this, on this narrative. I, yeah, I get the, the nostalgia um, 
theory of it, you know, and, and I think that uh, what happened in the playoffs um, is something that a lot of people see and we need toughness and so on. Um, you, you know what, if, if Lucic can put in 30 goals and, and 120 penalty minutes, I'm all for it, but I'm not for a player anymore. That is just, you know, um, his notoriety is, is, is just a beaten ass, you know, uh, I don't like the goon idea. I don't like the enforcer idea. I think that the Boston Bruins do have uh, some complementary pieces that can fill that physicality um, and at a at a higher level of, of of speed. I think Milan has slowed way down, um, and even like like um, like uh, Grace said that you know it's going to be a cheaper deal because he is coming off of a, a six million dollar deal uh, with Calgary. Um, and uh, they probably get a vet minimum, but I, I I think even those minimum funds should be allocated to what you need to do moving forward. Now, if this was a, a rebuilding team with a bunch of rookies on it, and you needed a guy like that, I would absolutely um, bring him in for a year, see how it goes. But this is a team that has seven forwards already locked up in the next year, and a, a, a laundry list of players that need to be. Um, uh, negotiated with either it's a unrestricted free agent or a, a restricted free agent. Uh, and I don't think the idea of bringing him back is, is great. I, I just think it he's, he's slower, he's older and so on. And I get the whole, we're not getting the first four years of Milan Lucic back folks. Just forget that. And, and the last four years in Boston were one of the reasons why he was moved because he was just, his production was going down. So it was a, it was a good time for him to move. I, I just don't see a fit here, uh, to be honest with you. And I'm not one that's going to be like, well, he beats ass. That's just not enough for me. You know, I mean, back uh, 20 years ago, that would have been, I would have been that guy. Uh, I said, yeah, let's get him. He'd play five minutes on the ice and just kick shit out of everybody. That's great. But no, I, I, I want, I want tougher players to be multi-skilled in other areas, like, like speed and skill, you know, like you, you could shoot the puck and so on. I know Milan's got a decent shot, but it's, it's just a bad idea in my opinion. I don't see it happening. My fear with bringing him in is that you are taking roster spots away from younger players. So like I would rather see Jacob Lauko there because he's younger, faster, has more potential. It would suit him better for three, four years down the road. Um, I, I mean, again, seven goals, 12 point, 12 assists last year for Lucic. Um, I love the nostalgic thing. If he agrees that he's only going to play 25, 30 games and, and play spotty minutes, um, maybe I consider it. However, there is something I find borderline arousing about the idea of Hathaway, Beecher, Milan Lucic as your third, as your fourth line. Talk about USDA certified lean beef. That is what you'd have on that fourth line. Nobody would even think about doing anything stupid on the ice if you had those three out there. Um, so, right there's there's the the part of it about it like that that gets that gets you excited. But in the reality, you're taking away funds, like you said, Mark. And chances are you're taking a roster spot away from a younger player like Lauko, who quite honestly deserves it. And if he doesn't. Imagine how pissed off Lauko. I mean, Lauko was already pissed off this year. Imagine if you're like, "Hey, Jacob, sorry, we're we're filling your roster spot with a 34 year old Milan Lucic." He'd be pissed. <laughs> He'd want to trade. Yeah. He'd want to get out of here. And I I can't say I'd blame him. Uh, Grace, anything else on Lucic? No. No, I think that I think that that's all fair. I also really like Jacob Lauko, so I would love to see him get uh, the opportunity to sort of show his worth or continue to show his worth because I think he has to a certain extent. Um, maybe not as much as I think he is capable of you right probably some of that frustration about going down but um I don't know I think that it's a I think that it's just a safer cheaper better option and looks better in three four years time so but you know you're right that 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 line does sound very uh electric a beecher in, a, in the middle with a hathaway and a luchy <laughs> I was I was just better gonna I wish I words than I used yeah, I wish I had a soundboard because I was going to put the boing up there. <laughs> she said, Great hate certified beef and aroused and all that. I was like, holy shit, where are we going Nasty. now? It's getting hot in here all of a sudden. Um, all right, so one more talk about one more possible return that you brought up, Mark, that I, I find this one actually a little bit more interesting and possibly a little bit more realistic. Um, a guy that had uh, 
27 games, a 2.91 goals against, 895 save percentage. Um, if you are going to move Allmark, which I think they should, uh, do we think about bringing back a guy like Dan Vladar, who's making $2 million and has two years remaining on his current contract with Calgary? I like the idea. Uh, just for the fact is that um, Vladar was a, a, a 2015 third-round pick by the Boston Bruins. He Another knows good the pick goal in that tent. draft. Exactly. <laughs> and um, uh, and he knows the goaltending coaches. He knows Dunham. He knows Asenza. He knows the organization. He knows many players here. Um, and I'm not saying that Allmark to Calgary is an option. What I'm saying is if Allmark is moved to any of the 31 teams in the league, that that frees up a little bit of uh, well, $5 million on the AAV. But if the Boston Bruins don't want to go with the rookie route of Brandon Bussey uh, in his, you know, in his rookie, uh, basically his NHL rookie season uh, as a backup, uh, and they want to go with experience, a little bit of experience, I would honestly look at Calgary, talk to um, new Calgary Flames GM, Craig Conroy, see if there's a deal that can be worked out because the Boston Bruins still have this year's third round pick. And that could be moved. That could be in play if you want to move uh, that and maybe a sweetener. Um, I'm not sure if Mike Riley is going to move the needle. I'm not sure if if anybody else that they're trying to stash down to Providence is going to move the needle because they're not playing consistent time in the NHL. And their AAV is kind of ridiculous. Like I was looking at uh, Puckpedia this morning, uh, prepping up for the show. And believe it or not, Mike Riley's real money, real money, is going to be $4 million. That is $1 million up from last year on his AAV. So his AAV is still going to be three something, but uh, in real money, he's going to get one more million. So I'm not sure if that's going to be an attractive uh, sweetener per se, but what could be is somebody that's currently under contract that is uh, close to the July 1st free agency that might be traded along to Calgary and have Craig Conroy and his staff uh, negotiate a contract, um, you know, before free agency. I could see that happening, mm. but I just like the uh, idea of bringing Vladar back. I know he's worked with Jeremy Swayman before. Um, hopefully, the goalie hug does not happen. If this happens, I'm I'm really sick of that. I'm I'm done with the goalie hug. We need to move on to the traditional <laughs> headbutt and a you pat. Have on no, the you have no soul, Mark. I you damn yeah, right. I don't. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I don't endorse that opinion. Serious. I don't. I know, I know, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I just, I just see this being a really good move. I, I really do not want to take any chances on, you know, bringing back a guy like Keith Kincaid or anybody like that. I want to get a little bit younger, but also I think that Dan can offer something that he couldn't in, um, in Calgary, and obviously that's a, it's a better core out front and, and a defenseman and a better support system, um, you know, around the crease. I, I but. And that would be purely as a backup. I think that um, I think Jeremy Swayman's been in the league long enough that he could take the the one A role and, and and play you know fifty games and then possibly give uh, a guy like Vladar who has a little bit of tenure in the league uh, you know 30, 32 games. So, and I think that they'd work well uh, even if you had to do a tandem in the playoffs. Um, who knows? But. I just like the idea of the um, the familiarity that both sides have in a deal like this. And there's probably going to be goaltenders out there that are much better than that. But the reason why I brought this up, and I'm also writing an article on the blockandgoalhockey.com website about this, is uh, is Dustin Wolf is is a really good young goaltender. And right now, um, he is primarily playing in the, uh, in the American Hockey League. He's on an entry-level contract, so he can go up and down. But... Craig Conroy has said several times, the GM of the Flames, that this kid needs to play and he needs to play consistently. So I think, I honestly think that Dan Vladar is going to be the one that's going to be pushed out of the Flames organization because they currently have Jacob Markstrom, who's currently has three years remaining Oof. on his contract at six million. Oh. That contract is not going to be easy to move for a new GM. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know who else is going to bite on that, but unfortunately, I just see that uh, Vladar is going to be the one that's uh, forced out. And I think that the Boston Bruins should take a flyer on it, at least make a call on it, yeah. at least entertain the idea. I mean, the 2 million, it's actually 2.2 million, but still, I think that if you can get 
and we'll talk about contracts later, but if you can get Vladar at 2.2 and possibly Jeremy Swayman at 2.5, you're still under $5 million, just as you were last season and the year before that with Allmark and Swayman. So yep. more of the funds are not going to go to the goaltending aspect of it. It's going to go to where you actually need to address these issues. Yeah, Grace, you want Dan Vladar back? I honestly, yeah. I, I mean, there are no good options. I mean, no, you wish. I, unlike Mark, have a heart and a soul and want Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark to be together and continue to do the goalie hug. But um, it, it hurts to say that like, it makes sense to get rid of Allmark because I just... I'm still so pissed. I feel like there was such wasted potential in the playoffs, not using them both. And so I'm super frustrated. And the part of me is like, give it another go. Cause now we know, like, let's make it work. It's okay. But I just think it's so much, we need to make space. We need to make room. Um, and Ladar is a fairly cheap option and is a, I think a good option. And you're right. I think that Jeremy Swayman has earned that top spot. Um, you know, on any other team he would have been if, if, Linus Allmark wasn't playing Vezina caliber hockey. I mean, so I, uh, I'd be okay with it. Uh, I think it frees up space, gives us more breathing room where there's just none right now. So I'd be okay with it. I don't want to get crucified by people on Twitter for saying that we should get rid of Linus Allmark. It's going to hurt no matter what. We're getting rid of people we like. Um, and I just think that's probably a, a good option. Trust me. Trust me. You're safe. I'm the one that doesn't I'm like sorry. the goalie hug, so I'm the one well, that's going to be attacked. <laughs> I mean, I'll say I'm going to attack you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, for, for one, I'm I'm good on Linus Allmark. I I want I'll, they trade him tomorrow. I won't bat an eye um, because of the <laughs> because of the contract and because of the lack of proven playoff success, which was my biggest worry coming into the series too. And he still hasn't proven it. Um, I will also say. I like the goalie hug and I want the goalie hug because that means that the goalies are happy. And yeah. if we know anything about with all due respect, Grace, this new generation of young person, if, if they're not happy and if you're mean to them and you're not treating them with kid gloves, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, then, then they get pissy. They get, they get pissy. And, and what happened? To, why did Bruce Cassidy leave? Because he was mean to Jakey DeBrusque and because he was mean to Brandon Carlo and they were so mean. And with that in mind, Swayman clearly has something here with Allmark. It's not just that they play together. They're buddies, they're pals. And you're going to strip Jeremy Swayman of his best friend. So let's bring in a guy that he does know that he is from. first of all let's let's ask let's ask little jeremy jeremy are you friends with dan can you guys get along let's ask him first because we got to get the emotional side of it um if it's something that swayman is okay with um i i think that's good because i think that kind of chemistry in the locker room and off the ice is important and if 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 this is a guy that Swayman is okay with, and again, I'm not even saying that Swayman is this emotion, uh, emotional softball like some of the other guys might be, um, but you are stripping him of his best friend. So let's let's try to bring in somebody that maybe he's, you know, can can have a cohesion with. So maybe we do have goalie hugs because that's what Jeremy wants. You know, let's keep Jeremy happy. I don't know, but um. Uh, that that is that you know again. I still think that's why Cassidy's gone. Is they had feel they had hurt feelings, and I and Grace, I do think that's why Joe Mazzula is here. Because if you get rid of Joe Mazzula, then Tatum's going to be like, oh, that's my buddy Joe Mazzula. Of course, now we're talking basketball, and that's going to Mark's just going to tune right out. So let's not do any more of that. Um, so Mark, you were talking about the AFP analytics, um, and they were giving specific contract projections. Um, for certain players, I uh, talk about head going sideways. Math gives me a, a an ice cream headache. Um, but you have some interesting numbers. Do you have a graphic for that, Mark, that you were going to put up? I do. Actually, I typed it up um, uh, on Friday or Saturday or something like that. One of those days that I was inebriated. Um, and <laughs> did anybody <laughs> double check got... your worth? Here, yeah, this, <laughs> is what, this is what I came up with uh, from the great folks at AFP Analytics. Go check them out, afpanalytics.com. So um, as of right now, they're projecting if unrestricted free agent forward Patrice Bergeron comes back on a one-year deal, uh, he's ex could get up to $2.5 per season. Uh, UFA forward Tyler Bertuzzi, 
They're expecting him to get a six-year deal, $5.2 million per. Uh, Nick Foligno, if he does return, he gets a one-year, $1.1 million per. Garnet Hathaway is a UFA, and they're expecting him to get a four-year, $2 million per contract. UFA forward David Krejci, one year at $1 million. Uh, UFA forward Thomas Nosek, a two-year, $1.2 million. Uh, RFA forward Trent Frederick, uh, a three-year, $2.2 million. Uh, on the defense, it's uh, UFA defenseman Connor Clifton, two-year, $1.7 per. And UFA defenseman Dimitri Orloff, this one kind of blew my mind a little bit, a five-year, $6.2 million per. And Jeremy Swayman is uh, an RFA goaltender. He, they're expecting him to get a two-year, $3.7 million per season. So uh, out of those, I wanted to ask you guys, who do you want to come back with this with, with these salary cap constraints at these numbers? Because from what I can see right now, I mean, as much as I love Bergeron, if they're really projecting him to, I mean, it, it, he's also going to take a discount as well. I mean, these are just projections, of course, but I don't know that five point two million per for Patuzzi, uh, uh, Hathaway at four years. Um, I like the Frederick deal; uh, it's a three-year, two point two million. Connor Clifton, I'm sorry, uh, I, I don't see him coming back. Uh, Orloff at that number and term, I'm not sure if if the Bruins can afford him. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, another one. I I, I had him at two million, two point five. These guys have him at 3.7 and another website. I'm not sure what the name was, had him at 4.7 million. So, which it's crazy, but uh, some thoughts on those numbers. I just wanted to throw it out there because I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I was going to say that's an insane amount of money for Orloff. For all I care, he could, I, that is, I, he is not worth that to me. Honestly, he's worth so much less. And I don't mean that like he sucks and he's awful because he's good, obviously. But his age, that amount of money, so not worth it to me. Um, so that's one that's immediately out. I want Vertuzzi so bad, but that's also an insane amount of money. Um, I love the Frederick deal. The Swayman one, I, that does also surprise me. That seems high to me. Um, I would like to keep Hathaway, um, but four-year, two million is sort of a – It's not a. it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. I don't know if I would – do it um but yeah and in terms of like the Clifton's the the no checks the it, that's high for Bergeron I agree as well um but at least like those players that were sort of not fringe players like they clearly got minutes and they were important to the team's success but who were not you know there's no nobody's putting no check up for the heart like that's just not you know what's happening um so those sort of fringe ones, maybe those are easy ones that we can strip and get rid of that and make room um, and not take those on. But I don't know. That's those, the, to keep the individuals we added at the trade deadline, that is that those are expensive projections. That's a lot of money. Um, And as much as I want to keep all of them, like that's just, there's no realm of possibility where that happens. So I don't know. I, I don't love a lot of those for us and our terrible space issue um but i don't know some of them aren't so bad i agree the frederick one i'd do in a heartbeat i really like trent frederick i hope he sticks around so at least that one i'm i'm for yeah i i mean we got to remember it only takes one stupid gm to 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 overpay right and like i think that a lot of these are either overpayments or or underpayments i mean connor clifton's going to get more than 1.7 Somebody off. Somebody out there is going to offer that guy more than one point seven. Somebody out there might be dumb enough to, to give Dmitry Orlov seven million. It might not be a five year deal. It might be a two or three million dollar deal. But somebody's going to do it. Um, you know, when you look at it, guys like like Felino and Nosik, I mean, I would rather save the whatever two point three million dollars and and go with Beechers and Laukos and and Kopanins and like that's why we have these guys. So. Yep. You know, I, I I don't want to pay Thomas Nosek 1.2 for two years. I don't want to do it. I really don't want to pay David Krejci another one one million for one year. I, I don't want to do that. I want I want more. Uh, I want more Frederick and 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 um, Charlie Coyle and more Pavel Zaka than I do another year of David Krejci. I just I do. So, um, 
you know, I, I don't even mind half the way for, for a, a four year. I'd rather have length with him than, than money. I mean, I'd, I just keep that one position, that fourth line right winger there for the next four years. I like that idea. Um, but no, if I'm spending money, I would rather be saving that money on Nosek, Clifton, uh, Orlov, Folino. Let's take all that money, pull it together and pay Tyler Bertuzzi. Like that's what I would, yeah. that's what I would rather do. And, um, you know, I, again, Frederick, I, I, if I'm Fred, Frederick, I want more than 2.2 million. I mean, that seems low and I know he's an yeah. RFA, but he can hold out and, you know, he, he can go that route with, you know, arbitration and stuff like that. I mean, I, I would do that if I was him. Um, so I don't know. It is interesting. And I know you guys, and again, money to me, I, I can't wrap my head around it. My wife pays our bills cause I can't do it. <laughs> um, I, but you know, swimming at swimming at four to me sounds legit. I mean, you're number one goalie for four million bucks. That's not that, that doesn't break the seem to break the bank for me. But you guys seem to think it's an overpayment. Yeah, and, and a little bit. He's coming out of his entry level contract. He hasn't won a um, um, a Stanley Cup playoff round yet. Um, so there's there's questions with him as well on on how he can play during the pressure because we've only seen him a couple times in the past two years. But going back to the numbers, and I know the migraines coming, uh, Steve. But uh, the Bruins currently have thirty-eight point one million in forward contracts, thirty million in defensive contracts, and five million in Lenius Allmark's contract committed to the upcoming two thousand twenty-three twenty-four regular season. That, in my Amesbury math, which is never trusted, that's seventy-three point one million with about ten point four million to consider. Uh, with the 10 contracts that Sweeney and Evan Gold have to mastermind to be compliant by next year. So 10.4 minus 4.5, we are not left with a lot to even bring back guys at some of these numbers that these projections are going. Like to me, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to get hammered for this because uh, no, Goldie Hug, I'm, I'm going to get hammered. I know that. But this one, makes me wonder if Jeremy Swayman and his camp are coming out swinging. I don't know if Allmark is the, is the right guy to go now, you know? So if, if, if Jeremy Swayman comes out and says, I, um, and his, obviously his, his, um, his staff that he has, his agent and so on, they say, we want $5 million for two years. That's going to put the Bruins in a very awkward situation, you know? And I think that those negotiations are probably going to happen after, to July 1st. So the draft is now gone. You can't move him for capital unless you have, unless you move him for capital the next summer. Uh, so we're not really doing anything with that this year when we actually need to find a way to make moves and get back into like at least a second round of the draft. I'm not saying the first round, but I think that Jeremy Swayman is the type of guy with a sweetener that could bring you back into that first round. That's just my opinion though. But there's a lot of different projections on, on these websites that have me just thinking like, you know, like I said, I'm not the math guy, but still it's like with all the, all the things that Evan Gold and Sweeney have to do this summer, it just some things don't make sense at all to, to even retain. It's like, like I'm not on board with bringing no sick back. I'm not on board with bringing Krejci back or, or anything like that. Bergeron, that's your ultimate leader. You, you know, that's your dying king right now. You have to do whatever you, you know you have to do to get him in there. But also, I'm still on board with if he sells you, he's hurt. Don't play him. Right. That's it. Right. Stop playing injured players. I'm, right. I'm freaking tired of that. We need to learn a lesson this year, this off season. This is the lesson time. And next time somebody says, "Oh, you know, uh, I have a half an arm, I, I can still go out there," that's when you say no. You know what I mean? So yeah. No, I, I think it would be just nice for Swayman for them to finally say, we're done dicking around with the goaltenders. We're not bringing back Tuka Rask for, uh, you know, we're not doing a song and dance with it. You're the guy. You're the guy. Yeah. Here's you're the guy money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's pay you like you're the guy because you're the guy and you're going. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But at least you are, you are showing that you're ready to make a guy the guy. As opposed it's to also this, a this other stuff. It's also a confidence builder for him. That in, that lies trust in between the organization and the player. You know, I mean, well said. 
Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, we do have, uh, don't forget, uh, we do have a uh, listener hotline as well, 978-504-2727. You can also hit up any of us on social media, hashtag AskBNG. And since it is the last episode of the month of May, um, we are giving away a jersey courtesy of our Patreon account, which, of course, you can look us up um, and have an opportunity to win some pretty cool stuff. Uh, We are giving away a sweet jersey that has been spell-checked. Uh, we do know that the last name is spelled correctly. Uh, and Mark, what do you have for us with that? Grizzlick. I think it's all, uh, see, the G and the Z, it's all set. <laughs> this is a uh, Matt Grizzlick hand-signed jersey from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, our friend over there at um, Bruce Sullivan, uh, where I buy all these jerseys. So the Patreon account is $1 per episode, and this jersey goes to my friend Casey out in California. So congratulations, Casey on winning this uh, tremendous uh, jersey, hand-signed and fully authenticated by JSA. Um, so it's it's $1 per episode, and uh, we take half of that dollar, pay the bills here at the BNG Sports Media Company, but we also take the other half and buy in those uh, jerseys. And a, a, another reminder that the jerseys are just going to get better. Not saying anything bad about Matt Grizzly, but um, for May, I'm sorry, for June, it's, uh, it's Adam McQuaid, you know? So get involved in this, and then July, it's it's uh it's Sean Thornton, one of the biggest badasses in Boston history. So, uh, fully uh, they're hand signed, they're totally legit, and how could you go wrong with just a dollar per episode? We're gonna record probably four episodes a month, maybe six. Who knows? Might be some bonus episodes in there and so on. But still, it's a small investment to spice up the fan cave because you don't want that bleed green. You don't want the red suds. <laughs> you don't want the stupid Patriots. You want black and gold. You want to impress your friends? Black and gold, everything. Go outside and black and gold your house. Put the trim white, black shutters, gold <laughs> windows. What else? <laughs> <laughs> my mouse is Patriots. <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm kidding about the other sports. Not really, but still. But uh, sign up, sign up. It's uh, really easy to do, and it helps us out, and it helps you out. And um, we love giving away some really cool stuff too. Well, this is great. I mean, considering that it's the off season, and there's not always. Sometimes you gotta, you know, dig for stuff to talk about. But this was great. I don't think we dug too hard. I think we uh, covered a lot of ground and a little bit of optimism. For Bruins fans yes. out there, I think there's a lot to look forward to um, the next year or so. And again, let's go Florida Panthers just to keep those uh, that weird looking Madden as Madden cover as curse alive. Um, hopefully, next year will be the year. And um, yes. of course, as always, big thank you to uh, FanDuel.com, the uh, official sponsor of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Remember uh, at FanDuel.com/slash/Boston, you can sign up and claim your no sweat first bet for one thousand dollars so big thank you to FanDuel uh, Grace Mark this has uh, been a blast Grace stay away from the fleas as best you can Jesus I'm gonna have to keep start calling the flea bag out there you know but uh <laughs> um uh, Mark thanks uh, thanks again happy Memorial Day as well to everybody out there uh, we really appreciate yep. your service and all those that have served and aren't with us anymore we greatly appreciate all they've done for us to be able to do this quite frankly Yep, yep, absolutely. We'll be back next week. We'll be digging some more uh, topics up. I'm sure I'll be uh, busy all week. So, um, yeah, we're going to be doing these every week to help uh, our fans and listeners pass the time of this uh, long ass off season. And, you know, hopefully that these provide uh, a little bit of closure between now and October. But uh, no, it's it's great working with you both. Um, I'm thoroughly impressed with the uh, the addition of Grace. Uh, in the many places that she's she uh, reports from, so uh, uh, yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to uh, many more weeks like this of, of optimistic Bruins thoughts. And who knows where Grace will be broadcasting from tomorrow or next week? We'll have no idea. It could be the roof. Oh, it's a surprise every time. It's so fun. Yeah, <laughs> I'm betting that you're going to be at Mirfield Golf Course next weekend. Awesome. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. What happens? Who knows? Well, thanks again to you both. Thanks for all the listeners. We really appreciate you, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. 
If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at BNG Productions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.